cloud just added about 200,000 more tools to your toolbox. Yeah. What's the right tool for the job? Brought to you by Island, this is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud, and sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with moving to an operating expenses model in the cloud. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for Island, and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a wide variety of operational experience. Let's start by having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about expense models in the cloud. My name is David Klee, and I am the founder of both Heroflux Technologies and Sequilibrium Education. I'm lucky enough to be a Microsoft Data Platform MVP and a VMware V expert, and I am thrilled to talk about this topic because, quite frankly, database licensing is one of the most expensive pieces in the data center. And when you shift from a CapEx to an OpEx model, things dramatically change on not just the IT side, but the financial side with the CFO and how they account for all this. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to discuss the pros and cons and just debate what's best. Hi, everyone. I'm Juliana. I work as a inside sales representative for Ving Software. And, you know, this subject really inspires me because I started working in tech for the business part of it. So really drives me to learn more each day. And this is all about digital transformation. So it's really cool to talk about it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Hi, everyone. So I'm Mark Crawford. I work for NJVC as a senior systems engineer, uh, seven times V expert. And I've been working in the IT industry for close to 25 years now. And for about the past eight, nine years, I've been working on a uh, government customer project. So that's where a lot of my focus is for my two to three years of AWS experience. Thank you all for joining me. Businesses for years have been discussing making a move from a capital-focused IT budget to a pay-for-what-you-use style IT budget. But it's not the easiest change to make. Everything from balancing the books to budgeting and negotiating changes when you move from laying out large initial outlays of cash to paying a monthly or yearly fee. And no matter how bad the organization may want to make this change, any change is rightfully cause for concern. So, Mark, I'd like to start with you and kind of see, as you've been through cloud transformation as a customer, what the benefits your company was looking to get out of moving to the cloud and specifically around the moving to that operations-focused expense model? Yeah, so I was never actually involved in any of the initial discussions of what they wanted to get out of the benefits. But over the years with discussions on different teams and sort of the cloud team that we work with, my understanding was their initial benefits of moving to the cloud was they wanted to reduce costs of maintaining a, a physical data center. Yeah. And that's a pretty common reason for moving to the cloud, just because especially if you own that physical data center, that's a large outlay of cash, like I said before, to be able to even have that capability. And then you've got to amortize it and make sure you're getting the full value before you get rid of it again, which 
to me seems really complicated as opposed to doing a monthly fee, but I'm far from a CFO. Yeah, but the issue that the government has is because they have classified environments, you can't just go out and put all your data in the commercial AWS environment. So they paid Amazon a lot of money to build classified AWS environments. And so initially that was a big CapEx expense for them. Yeah, definitely. And so have they seen kind of those benefits of moving to that? Have you seen that that really has improved the business from the business perspective? I don't know. That's a good question because unfortunately at my level, I don't see a lot of that information. And from what I've heard so far, I don't think that we're really going to see a lot of those benefits for a few more years down the road yet. Yeah. So definitely a long-term strategy there. Correct. You know, something Mark said of not being involved in first discussions, I assume it's because it's a government issue, but I guess the best practice around cloud is to involve the whole team, you know, because you have to have each team involved in the business decisions and have everyone know what you're talking about and what you should talk about because it's all about operation in cloud, right? You have to have your operational team aligned with the business objectives because, you know, they're going to use the cloud. Yeah, the tough part is the decision to actually go to the cloud is usually made without the involvement of a lot of people that actually do the work or or do the act of getting there and maintaining and managing this. I've had a lot of organizations that we work with where they just say, "We're going to the cloud." And, you know, as a, you know, consultant and an architect around it, I sit back and just say, "Okay, well, why? Because it's cool and trendy. There's a lot of great reasons to go to the cloud. There's also a lot of great reasons not to. Why do you want to go to the cloud? What's it going to do for your business by getting there? And in some cases, they have great answers for it. And in other cases, they just say, because we're going. <laughs> and give me the reasons why. Because based on how you're planning on managing this and using it to improve the business, the act of getting to the cloud and going to more of this operational model, the way you use it can change based on what you want to get out of it. Yeah, that's what a lot of the problems that we're having with the government customer that we work with, they just have this mindset of, we're going to take everything that's in the data center and move it to the cloud, and then we'll call that a success. But in reality, that's not a success. You just move from you managing the data center to somebody else managing the data center. So <laughs> that's exactly it. You know, not using the cloud for what it's really best suited for, which is modernizing the platform. It's literally just lifting and moving the problem over and probably paying more than you already were. Correct. Yeah. You had to use the platform the way it was intended to, to get the best results out of it. And, you know, some things may need to go to a different cloud. Some things may need to stay on premises and, at that point, we're talking multi-cloud, and that's part of the reason why multi-cloud is such a big thing. It's not just the cost aspect of it. It's going with the best solution. It's just like, you know, we may have bought the HPE storage array and Dell server and connected them together because those were the best solutions for those parts. Exactly. Yeah, it's always interesting. The lift and shift mindset to me, getting to the cloud is not the end goal. It's simply a platform. What can we do best to maximize what we're paying for? I mean, literally, if I can get more power out of changing 
process X by tweaking it and using a new feature in the cloud, I may be able to save money, improve performance, improve availability, simplify it, and get the most out of it. Yeah, I see that, especially in Brazil, because overall, most companies are now going to the cloud. You know, they haven't made this step yet. And I like the idea of hybrid environments on that note because, uh, you know, private and public cloud, because you let the experts run and maintain the cloud and you don't have to hire new employees to do it. And existing employees that they already have can focus on their usual and normal tasks. And it keeps your financial forecast stable and predictable. And you can keep your IT efforts as OPEX as possible. So you can move to the cloud with security and predictability and you can do this, you know, shift more easily. I love the hybrid model. I absolutely yeah. <laughs> love it. And it's everything that you just said. And it allows the cost of whatever platform you choose for a given task to become more predictable. One yeah. of the big things about the cloud is that, you know, it's kind of like on-prem with virtualization a while back. Hey, look at this. We can spin up 500 servers right now. Go, 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 go. And all of a sudden <laughs> you've got a, a thousand servers when, you know, two months ago you had a hundred. It's a real challenge. If you get to the cloud, people are spinning stuff up right and left, you know, and it, it starts to charge the credit card, which, you know, you always find out after the fact at the end of the month when you get the bill, it stings. Use the hybrid approach and use the capacity with the investment you've already got on-prem. Use the cloud where it's best suited, you know, dev test, production environments that need burst capacity, things like that, and just make it more predictable. Yeah, and I think you touched on something I'd like to dig in a little bit more. Maybe, Juliana, you can help us understand kind of what kind of gotchas customers should be concerned about when they're paying per use and how they can better negotiate and control these gotchas so that they don't end up with sticker shock on their credit cards. <laughs> yeah, I believe when you think about moving to the cloud, you're not just moving to an abstract environment. You know, the cloud is somewhere and somewhere has a price, you're paying for space, you're paying for a service. So you have to really train and invest on in knowledge. I say that every time, not only because I work in Vima communities and I'm a V expert, but I believe that knowledge is power. When you search, when you consult, when you really put your efforts on looking for the best solution for you, you have like a really cool perspective of all because you need to search the market, you need to consult with other users. And of course, you need to test it in your environment. Like it's not every cloud and it's not every service there's going to be best suited for you, not only on financial perspectives, but also on operational stuff. Because if you, okay, I can choose an AWS, but my team may not be specialized in AWS, so I have to train them. I have to make them capable of operating the cloud and using the cloud from its best tools that can offer me. And yeah, I believe this <laughs> to be true. I believe it completely. Education is yeah. absolutely critical. You know, it's a big shift in not only how you manage it, but how you set it up, how you migrate to it, how you yeah. operationalize it. You know, one of the big things that we do is capacity management of these things. The database licensing is based off of core, essentially, CPU core. Yeah. 
And on-prem, let's just spin everything up. Let's give it everything because the <laughs> vendor says we need everything. And a lot of times it's backfire on-prem with both you know, cost overruns of licensing and, uh, and performance degradation, actually. And one of the things I love doing is educating people on capacity management and sizing these things appropriately. Yeah, that's so important. You know, it cuts down your licensing costs. It's, it's critical. You know, size it appropriately. And then you get a performance gain as a result, your licensing goes down. We did this for an airline about two and a half years ago, and we found that they were so oversized on their virtual environment that no exaggeration, we told them after right-sizing is about 3,000 production SQL servers. We flat out said, if you right-size the way we tell you in prep for a cloud migration, on-prem, you can turn off half of your SQL server on VMware physical equipment and what will happen is it will get faster and you just decreased your license liability by 31 million bucks. That was amazing. They had taken a look at the financials on going to the cloud a while back and they straight up said, no, there's just no way. And after showing them the process of right sizing, not just doing it for them, but showing them how to do it, they saved a bunch of money on-prem, which today, given everything going on with the pandemic, I'm sure they're really happy they saved a lot of the licensing because they weren't having to buy net new. And what it did, it actually redid their financial forecast for going to the cloud with their data platform, and it actually made it viable at that point. So I know the last time I talked to them, they were aggressively looking at the cloud for dev test because it was cheaper for dev test on the cloud than it was on-prem. Yeah, and on that note, I would like to add that when you are searching for a cloud provider or you know uh, some consulting type of service for your company, first thing you got to do is you got to understand your business and understand its goals from now to like five years from now, because you have to know where your business is going and how the cloud can help you get there. And also trust your advisor, trust your consultant. Like David said, you did a sizing and you architected an environment so well done nicely that the customer was happy about it. So. To be happy at the end, you have to trust who you talk to. Trust but verify. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trust and verify, of course. I work in a security company, you yeah. know, Ving Software. It's all about trust and data protection. So I say this to my customers a lot. Don't just buy clouds for its price. You know, if you want a good service, good service has a price. So you have to understand it quite well. Yeah, we constantly talk about planning and budgeting, and we have a lot of planning exercises because we constantly look at reserved instances because we can save a lot of money in our environment by using reserved instances. And so we are constantly talking about the future and what can we do to save money. And that's a big thing for us is planning for those reserved instances. Yeah, and it's definitely key. I love this whole section just because it's all about, you know, understanding and, you know, looking at all the costs that are going to be involved. You know, every cloud platform prices things differently. You know, I, I do a lot of the market intelligence stuff and part of that is understanding cost models others use. And it's pretty rare that anyone uses the same as anyone else. So it's a bit of a challenge for everybody in that regard, but especially so when you're trying to compare what your costs are going to be. So it's key to having a consultant help you to figure out how you should configure things, what you really need out of it. And then asking, instead of going to the cloud provider saying, 
help us figure this out, you can go with them with a, this is what we need, tell us what it's going to cost. And that gives you a little bit more of an apples to apples comparison across them all. Exactly. My biggest thing with that, though, is people have a hard time gauging their on-prem cost because of the CapEx model up front. It's really difficult to understand a monthly expenditure for System X or data platform Y. And it makes things really tough when you want to have an apples apples discussion on cloud versus on-prem, CapEx versus OpEx. And what I find a lot of people mistake is, you know, if I've got Let's say, you know, from a database perspective, if I'm doing physical CPU core licensing and I got a bunch of VMs on there with a ton of databases on there, how can you dial it all the way back to a given database and then factor in the time to manage the operating system and the OS costs and the hypervisor costs and the power and the cooling and the staff time to manage the platform even though some of that directly transfers to the cloud, some of it doesn't. You know, you don't have to maintain physical equipment anymore and that layer of time disappears. So understanding how to model one side to have that objective comparison to the other is incredibly difficult. And it's something that a lot of organizations just omit key pieces and it makes the cost model way, way skewed. I agree. The the company that I work for directly, they they've had those discussions about moving to the cloud and yeah, there's so many people that just yeah don't understand all aspects of budgeting it correctly. Yeah, it's because it's too complex. <laughs> There's so much in there. And it's one of those things, you know, let's say networking. You buy network core switches five, six years apart. Okay, so you're not buying network, storage, compute, virtualization, everything at one fell spot. You're now buying it here and there and doing incremental updates. And just like uh, Juliana mentioned, the financial amortization gets interesting over time. You know, trying to to balance all this stuff and come up with that model, it's so hard, so hard. It's fun for me because I'm kind of a geek with that stuff, but uh, I'm kind of weird. <laughs> Spreadsheets for the win. Yeah. <laughs> We're in good company. Definitely. So, David, you kind of already touched on it a little bit, but I'd like you to dig maybe even a little bit deeper, building off that story of the airline that you helped out around how this move to more of the OPEX model is more than just the consumption of compute and storage and bandwidth and all that kind of stuff that we normally look at. But, you know, maybe dig a little bit deeper into how application specific changes to the cost model can happen when moving to the cloud. Oh, it's fascinating. So for those of you that have never dealt with database level licensing before, I'm going to focus in on Microsoft SQL Server, but a lot of the others are very similar to this. So from a SQL Server perspective, the licensing is primarily based around core allocations. You have a version such as standard or enterprise edition, and there's different cost bases on that. But essentially, you're paying by the allocated core in the on-prem environment. You can apply that licensing to either the physical machine CPU cores, and if you license it a certain way with Enterprise Edition, you have unlimited use rights to pile as many SQL Server VMs on that host as you can get. So look at the abstraction here. You have physical machine sockets and cores for CPUs. You've got the virtualization layer that has some associated costs to it. You have an operating system inside one or more virtual machines on there that has its own layer of cost. And now you've got database level licensing that's either by physical core or by virtual core. Start to pile all that on top of each other and then start talking about high availability options, things like that. And the cost model is incredibly difficult to calculate even at a just raw platform perspective and calculate it to a business purpose. 
So a database instance from SQL Server may have four applications pointing to it. If you're trying to charge this back to look at what cost structure a cloud spend is going to come from, it's really difficult to be able to say this database corresponds to this application, which makes up this piece of the puzzle, especially when the resource allocation can be a little more dynamic. To understand how to essentially do a chargeback model on-prem will get you most of the way towards being ready for the cloud, but at the same time, understanding what the cloud is doing with this, just like the comment about the AWS host-based reserved instance licensing. That's one of the tricks that I love to use to be able to take on-prem licensing that they may have already paid for and apply it to the host in the cloud. Those are the kind of little tricks where if I'm doing database level licensing in the cloud or instance licensing or VM licensing or reserved instance licensing, there's so many pieces that go into it. And it's, it's in part understanding how it all relates and understanding the licensing implications of each layer as well as understanding the platform that you're migrating to. There's a, there's a whole day worth of discussion I can do around selecting the right platform. But the financial modeling, once you've picked what you need, gets really interesting. And you have to have the discussion up front because the financial model may actually dictate what platform you're comfortable going to or can even afford. Yeah, and one of the benefits of the cloud, you know, compared to CAPEX models is that you have a completely transparent TCO like, and CAPEX, your TCO may contain some hidden charges and costs, you know, that you are not looking uh, thoroughly, like electricity, facility rental, insurances on hardware and everything else. One of the things I find interesting, particularly when it comes to database licensing, is, you know, they were pressured very hard on virtualization. Virtualization really forced new models of how to license big applications like SQL Server. And now we're seeing cloud kind of push it even further because now you're not tied to those physical cores. And, you know, Microsoft's always been one to not make licensing simple, unfortunately. I've dealt with a lot of EDI in the past, and that's a mess as well. But it definitely needs a different way to approach it. So it's, it's important to understand both models so that you can properly model those costs. I think that's a great way to end this episode. You know, it's dramatic, the change that could come by moving to the cloud. And it's just not the technical aspects that are going to change. The financial aspects can be pretty dramatic and change-worthy, too. And, you know, given the amount of change that that causes, these decisions around the cloud really should be a whole team effort, not just the technical team, not just the financial team, not just the upper management. They should all be involved because it will affect all of them at some point. And it's important that as you look at that, that you cloud is used for what it's best suited for. You know, cloud is not the destination. The cloud is a tool in the toolbox to get to the destination. And that's why you see so much best of breed, hybrid, multi-cloud stories out there is because they are combining those different types of clouds for the things that they need. And like I said before, it's no different than what we do in the data center in the past of buying from different vendors or buying different tools and having to integrate them together. It's important to keep in mind that you're always going to pay for what you use. So build your knowledge. Understand all the costs that will go into every provider that you're considering. Make sure you understand all the costs that you have in your current on-premises data center. And make sure you understand all your business and technical requirements because cloud is not just about trying to lower costs. Sometimes you'll raise your costs, but you'll get so much more benefit out of it that it's as easy a decision if it were 10% cheaper. Exactly. And make sure that you understand what you're deploying because some are based on consumption, some are charged by what you allocate and not necessarily consume. 
And that's a big decision point. Yeah, that's great. Not every cloud is necessarily pay per use. It's not, you know, if I use a megahertz in an hour, I'm going to pay for a megahertz for an hour. That's a great clarification there. And, you know, all that goes into the cost modeling. And it's important to take the time to understand all those so that you can model appropriately. You know, not just every, not just one cloud provider, the cloud versus on-premises, but all the cloud providers you're considering and on-premises solutions that you may be considering, which isn't easy because they're all very different. They all need to be looked at at the same level. So there's apples and oranges and beets. And, you know, they all have similar traits, but you got to go way up the tree to figure out where the commonalities are there. So, and of course, if you're truly doing it right, you're going to consider all the additional costs. So how does this affect my application licensing? How does this affect employee training? How does this affect the productivity of the end users? All need to go into that cost model if you're truly going to understand what the costs are there. So, but overall, just a great conversation, a lot of great tidbits for people to understand there. So I really um, appreciate that conversation. So let's go ahead and close up this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Um, big thank you to Mark, Juliana, and David for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all our other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and providing us a rating on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. I'd like to add a note from a customer that I had last week. He went to me and said, I need to think about the cloud because I want to end with a clear sky and not having to deal with a storm. <laughs> I, I thought it was so cute. I like that. I like that a lot.